Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey, 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 everybody. We are back here at Book Journeys Radio. We were off last week, so if you missed us, welcome back. Um, We've got a great show for you today. And just a reminder for our listeners, our goal for Book Journeys Radio is to really help you understand all the aspects of the journey to becoming an author. So this show is really for authors and transformation, for people who know that they are supposed to write a book and they may just be missing one or two of the steps on the journey. So I talk every week to authors about their journey to becoming an author and um, to really give you some of the, the tips and tricks and tools that these authors use to to get over that obstacle of becoming um, an author. Carrie Cariello is today's guest. I am so excited she is here because this is a very auspicious week. Carrie's book that we are going to talk about, which we will talk about, is uh, is called What Color is Monday? And I was super excited to talk to her about this book, which does talk about autism. And um, and now we actually have a new book to talk about. So just last week, um, Carrie had released her second book called Someone I'm With Has Autism. So awesome, um, just a great example of how addictive book writing can be, how very rarely do people write one book and stop. I always say books are like tattoos. Very few people just get one and stop. And Carrie, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it is my pleasure. And just for the record, I don't have any tattoos. I have books. But no, no well, tattoos, okay. So. You're just going to collect books then. I think it's one of them. I think so. <laughs> you know, when you're 40, you have to pick one or the other. You can't do both. It is pretty much. You're like, I'm going to just do this thing. I've only got one book. Yeah. Life <laughs> books look better on me than a tattoo would. So. <laughs> I think I'm the same. So here's the first question I want to ask you, and really it's going back to before you wrote What Color is Monday, Mm -hmm. Um, but what do you wish you knew before you wrote uh, What Color is Monday? And then you can also extrapolate that and and just let us know what were some of the lessons that you learned on your first book that you applied to your new book. Gosh, that is a great question. I have to say... I I still really like the way both books came out, so I don't look back and have any regrets like I would have changed the order or I would have edited it differently. Um, What I'm glad to have known going in with both of them is I worked with the What Color is Monday, which is my first book. I worked with a very small publisher, like right in my hometown, and he was great. And he said to me before we even went to publish, he said, you have to start a blog. It is critical, and I won't work with you unless you have a Facebook page and a blog. And I really resisted that. And um, what I'm glad to know is how much regular blogging, I blog once a week, every Monday, for almost three years now, how much that would contribute to my writing style and to my being able to continue and put out a second book. 
So I think long long winded answer, but my I I wish I had known more of how much regular writing would contribute to my sort of honing my style a little better. Interesting. Do you hmm. think having written the blog for a while uh, influenced the way that you wrote um, uh, Someone I'm With Has Autism, your second book? Absolutely. So the second book is a collection of the blogs with with about 30% new material. And, um, you know, when I flip back and forth, I mean, I don't sit and read my books, obviously. I don't think many writers have can do that. But when I do have to flip back and forth for references or something, my writing style has changed. It's done like a 180. To me, it has. Now, What Color is Monday is my first book, really my first experience writing regularly. So it wasn't like I was writing, writing, and then, and then sort of formulated this book. It was kind of the first time I put a project together. So they, it is so much different. I think um, the narrative in What Color is Monday is much more, gosh, what is the word? As simple is not the word, but it's not to me as tight or as powerful. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. So let's talk a little about what is what, what – tell us more about What Colors Monday. So you told us that um, the new book is really a compilation of your blog posts. Tell us mm-hmm. more about your first book. So we have five kiddos, and my second son has autism. And What Color is Monday is kind of the story of us and our family in terms of um, – it kind of starts right when my husband and I had our first date, which is neat. And then it mm-hmm. goes into the kids and sort of the journey to the diagnosis with Jack and how we kept going having kids and then sort of ends up with um, the impact of autism to our day-to-day lives. And it brings us up, he's 10 now, and the book ends when he's 8. So um, I just want to send people to com. So it's C-A-R-R-I-E-C-A-R-I-E-L-L-O.com. I thought you had a wonderful designer with some stock photography, but now that you've said you have five kids, are these five gorgeous children on this website yours? <laughs> Thank you. They are ours. They are. They, yeah. This picture looks like stock photography. Like, That's so funny. And I think I if it's the happy children, <laughs> which um, if it's the one, they're always in red. They we tend to take our pictures in red a lot. And um, that one, our babysitter took. I mean, it's like down the road here in New Hampshire. It's nothing, you know, no trick well, lighting light or anything. Perfect. Wow. I know. And we were for the longest time when we played with the cover, which is one of the advantages of of working with such a small publisher as I had a lot of say in terms of what the book would look like and feel like and I never pictured putting the kids on the cover for the um for the book and then we played around with a lot of different concepts and he just said I just think that it works with the kids so that was our christmas picture one year that's so wow yeah that's adorable um so and and so it's your family story it's written in memoir style Mm-hmm. It's memoir, yep, first person. And when you started the book, what was the goal? What was your why? Why write this book? Yeah, I get asked that actually quite a bit, and I can't say when I first started it I had a clear direction. I think I had um, my fifth child was a year. I was a little bit kind of bumping around and trying to find something to stay occupied intellectually. Um, and had written some small articles for some really small publications around here, and they were widely accepted. Um, 
So then I thought it would be a neat way to just kind of almost take my a journal that I have and put it out there. And then as the book went on, it was a really nice way for me to capture small moments that I knew would get lost in, in the shuffle of every day and make sure that they were memorialized in a way. Mm. And then kind of as I got to the end of the book, it was like, wow, this, this actually has a message to it. And the message being, you know, autism is okay. We're all going to be just fine. A family can roll along, and and um, we have our ups and downs, and and but but Jack fits into our world, and vice versa. So it's sort of morphed over time. And what is what color is Monday mean? Well, we really again same as the book cover. We played around with all sorts of different titles. There's a chapter in the book called Snowflakes, which talks about how autism spectrum disorder varies so greatly from individual to individual. So I was going to title the book something to do with snowflakes. And um, and one day I was cooking dinner and Jack came in. So he was eight at the time. And he still has some fairly limited expressive language where he doesn't explain himself very well. And he said, what color do you see for Monday? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he he's also sort of interesting because once he can say th- something like that and then completely shut off and not answer one more question from you. So it took us a couple of days to realize he sees the days of the week as color. And um, at is first that I like was going to synesthesia. Is that you know people have talked a lot about synesthesia. From I don't know a whole lot about it. My understanding with synesthesia is um, it's. It applies to more than one thing in your life. Maybe it's numbers also or months or, you know, all different kinds of things. And that it tends to be the same. So, like, if you saw blue for Monday, you would always see blue for Monday. Again, this is my understanding. Mm -hmm. I haven't done any research. But um, Jack's colors vary. So I, I think it is a component of using color as a visual aid. But I can't say he necessarily has synesthesia or that synesthesia is a, com- a dimension of autism. Right. Very interesting. So it is. let's talk about the process of writing your your first book. Obviously, your second book was different because you were writing all along as a blogger mm-hmm. for that. But with the memoir, what was your, especially as a busy mom, five kids can't be an easy schedule to uh, to hold down, mm-hmm. Um what was your, when did you write, how often did you write, how long did it take to, to get the book done? So I had met with the publisher. We met in this little pizza place around the corner from my house. And I, at that point, had like four essays put together. And he took a look and he said, yeah, this could, we could really start putting something together and arc them and, you know, come up with a whole project. And at that point I thought, oh, I don't, I really don't have much more than this finished. And I was kind of, um, I was alarmed. Would I be able to start putting pieces together? Where would I start the book? Where in my life would I start it? You know, how would I sort of journey through it? And for me, it's just critical that I carve out time. And so I pretty much spent that whole summer, I had hired a babysitter and I would go to the library every morning for two hours and kind of sit and and what amazed me the most is that it did come to me you know it did like sort of um take shape before my eyes in a way that I didn't expect it to I thought I would struggle a lot more but once I decided on a point to begin and just move forward it it I would never say it became easy but it wasn't hard 
And how long would you normally write for? I would typically try to carve out like two-hour blocks of time. And then, um, you know, when I'm – I get my best ideas at really – consistent points during the day, but kind of random points during the day. By that I mean I always get my best ideas in the shower or when I'm driving in the car or when I'm cooking dinner. And I don't know Those why. Those are like but very inconvenient times to write. Very <laughs> inconvenient times to run off to your computer, but I do it. So uh, so I would work steadily in the morning and then, you know, as a writer, you sort of always have the topic on your mind and you're kind of working through phrasing and and. Um, orders of the chapters and that kind of thing. So I would run back and forth through the day and just add notes here and there. Fun. So you already had a publisher lined up before you really started writing in earnest. I did. Um, t- tell us a little bit more about how that how that relationship worked, how involved your publisher was, and and what role they played in the process. Well, again, he was really small, and he I was I was the first book he was putting out also. He's, um, he had written a book of his own and self-published and then enjoyed that process so much he wanted to go on and extend it to another writer. So he did probably a lot more hand-holding than a typical publisher would. Um, he also edited the entire thing. So I would, I started, when I was about 75% done, I started feeding him, you know, kind of the beginning, and then he would start editing that. So he was really, really involved. In fact, it was kind of funny. He was so involved with the writing piece, but he never met my husband or the family until it was all done for whatever reason, you know, not, not any particular reason, but, um, when the process was finished and we went to print, we decided he and his wife would we would go out to dinner, the four of us. And he said mm-hmm. as he was walking up to our house, he almost felt uncomfortable because he knew so much about us, but had never met the kids. <laughs> so, yeah. And that when you uh, worked uh, with him as a as a publisher and as an editor, how do you think that shaped? the book do you think it changed what you wrote or how you wrote and what were some of the key takeaways from that experience I I he is a much different writer than I am so you know I'm a 40 something year old mom with a special needs kids he's He's probably, I I couldn't even say, I don't know, he's older than I am, his kids are grown. I did notice when it came down to the editing process and kind of fighting for what was important to me, and fighting's too strong of a word, but, you know, advocating for things I thought needed to be left in, I noticed that that difference in where we are in life really played a big role. You know, for example... I mean, I'm a mom, and I have I had really little kids at the time, and so uh, there was a lot of sort of poopy diapers and, you know, kids getting sick, and I would weave that into the narrative, and that really bothered him. He said, mm-hmm. I can't bear to read stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, that's because you're not living it anymore. So, um, and there is one part, it's funny because you mentioned about what what do I wish I had known. There's this one part, I do readings quite a bit, and there's this one part in the book that he, and it is the smallest word change. Nobody would notice it. Um, but every time I read it, I read it my way, even though we changed it to his way. Uh-huh. So it's kind of funny to see editing at work. Um, and he was, maybe they're all this way, he was like line by line editing. I mean, it was, 
incredibly thorough. Well, I think one of the big things about an editor is there are so many ways they can make your work better, but there are right. also so many feelings that authors have about it not being their work or it changing, yeah. changing their words. And, you know, for you, how did you, you know, did you find balance? Are there things that you would look for in an editor now having gone through that experience? Because I think for many people a bad editor can actually, not a bad editor, but an editor right. that they're not in sync with can actually stop them from finishing. I can see how it could play that role. And I, I think I had to remind myself not to get defensive and not to be afraid to stand up for something that was important to me. Now, you have to remember, I was coming into this as a really green writer. I mean, an embarrassingly green writer. Not so much grammatical errors because I'm a, I'm a huge reader, so that – I think help me, but but other you know sentence structure and certainly things that I needed him for. I don't know if it would have been an easier process if he was if we had the same writing style. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. he also edited. So then my first book went on to be republished. It was just re-released by Jessica Kingsley Publisher. Um, and how did so that in, happen? So basically, um, the book, even though it was so such a small-town kind of operation, it enjoyed a little bit of success. I mean, it was sold, I think with my run with him, it was like over 2,000 copies, which hmm. for something coming out of, you know, his kitchen and my kitchen was pretty, like, was was better than we yeah, expected. Yeah, pretty awesome. Right. And there were a couple of reasons that it, it got a little breath of fresh air but so I had this book that was doing moderately well I was getting some press for it and I um, pitched another book idea to my current to the current publisher who had the first writer refusal to my second book he said he wasn't really interested in the style of book I wanted to do the next time around so then I took it to bigger publishers Jessica Kingsley said what they really wanted to do was republish What Color is Monday and re-release it because they thought they could take it to an either, you know, a broader market, an audience, and then and then they would probably go on and do the second book. Did you know at the time there was going to be a second book? Well, so that's funny. When I say second book, it's not even the one I'm talking about. Someone I'm with has autism. Oh. <laughs> okay. That kind of it's it's sort of confusing. <laughs> that book it was published by my original publisher because um, that had already been in the works before Jessica Kingsley re-released What Color is Monday. So I know it's very convoluted. So do you have another book that you're working on right now? I have another book that I have I have very strong ideas about and I have fleshed out a good portion of. And it's very different from these two, because these two, again, are memoirs. Um, and the third one would be what I would love to do is a graphic novel of sorts that addresses autism to the individual themselves and kind of um, geared for like 9 to 14 years old because Jack's 10. He's just discovering now that he has autism. And it's a really interesting process for him, but there's not much out there for it. And that audience is so specific, meaning – there's a certain kind of book that would appeal to him. It's not going to be a chapter book, and it's not going to be a board book. And it has to be really mm. visually done well. 
So that's my third. Yeah, I don't know. So did your did your um, did Jessica Kingsley, your new publisher, did they find you, or did you send a query letter about the new book, or how how did they find you? I sent a query letter. I had a contact. Um, first I went through and researched all these agents and sent them a bunch of stuff and nobody was interested in representing me. So um, I have some contacts in the you know special needs community obviously and in the publishing world on that end and so somebody provided me with a contact at Jessica Kingsley. She actually lives in the UK and I sent her the essentially a query letter. It was an email. It was probably less formal than a query letter. And then we started this dialogue she suggested, because on my blog, a number of my pieces, the most popular pieces, tend to have to do with marriage, because I write a lot about our marriage, which my mm. husband just loves. And uh, mm, I she bet. said, would you ever consider writing something about marriage? Which is possible. I don't know that I have a whole book worth of, you know, anything to, <laughs> to write about, but um, that's kind of how the whole conversation got started. Interesting. So, mm. so people have you know mixed feelings about going the traditional publishing route, finding an agent, um, doing self-publishing. Obviously, working with the a smaller boutique publisher like you've done is another is another option for you. What what did you consider for publishing options, and and what advice would you give people uh, in terms of finding the right way to publish their book? It is a tricky road to navigate, and um, I I was really almost willing to work with anybody that was willing to work with me, which is probably not the wisest advice to give. Um, I mean, I got a lot of rejections. I don't know much about the agent route, but I had a ton of rejections from querying them. Um, Really, my best advice is to not give up on it. It does seem like the smaller, more boutique publishers, you have a little more flexibility when it comes to creativity and to how you want your final product to look. So that was a really good fit for me for the first book. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm sure you talk to other you know, bloggers and, and moms who have thought about writing a book. What do you think was different about you? So many people want to write a book, want to tell their story, especially a book like this. Um, mm. what, what do you think made the difference that you actually got yours done? That's a great question. Um, I think I'm so passionate about books and literature in general that that was very motivating to me. Um, I enjoy writing tremendously, and I did feel like we had a story to tell. I'm also a person, whether it comes to writing or spending time with my husband or going to the gym or whatever, that makes a point to do what I say I'm going to do. And I think, you know, writing is a huge um, undertaking in that you're essentially saying, hey, I have something to say that I think other people want to hear. And you feel very vulnerable when you take mm-hmm. that next step, kind of like, what do I think I'm doing? This is, it's, you know, ridiculous. You have to really take a hold of that and be confident that you do have something to say that will resonate with people. And, and be willing. I see this sometimes with um, friends and moms and stuff. Um, it's not easy, but you have to be willing to share yourself and be authentic. Um, I know a great person 
who loves to blog and she's a great writer, but her husband doesn't really want her to use their names. That's completely mm. understandable. I have no judgment about it. I think that's completely understandable. It's really hard for a reader to connect with you when they don't know your name. So it's something to, con- to consider when you start going down this path. Not that we don't all have lines that we draw. There's certain things I don't talk about. You know, my husband's a dentist in, in town, and all of his patients read my things, and I don't think anybody wants to read about our sex life. And, you know, so I certainly have but boundaries. they might want to. But let's they, they you know what? To. Let me rephrase that. They might want to read about my sex life, so I'm not putting it in there. My husband's very good looking, so. So, oh, um, um, so let's my talk help about the personal, the personal aspect of of blogging in this personal way about your life and your family. Were there mm-hmm. moments in your publishing journey where you felt like there was something you wished you didn't include, a, a blog post maybe that you took down, or something in your book that you wished you edited in a different way? How do you deal with some of the personal disclosures? Never in the books. I, I feel very comfortable about everything that's in the books, and I'm really cautious about, you know, I mention teachers a lot. I My uh, my kind of uh, goal is to celebrate as many people along this journey as I can. So I bring up teachers and bus drivers and friends, and I always clear that with people before I do it. Um, there was one blog post that I wrote, Kind of recently, my son now is in fifth grade, and he had to, he has to change during gym class. And he said to me one day, we were eating lunch at Chipotle, and he said, I guess you don't have to change your underwear for gym. Because him being Jack didn't understand, like, you don't go in and take your underwear off when you're changing mm-hmm. in the So mm-hmm. I weaved that into a post and didn't really think a whole lot of it. And then my sister said to me, you know, I just felt bad for him when you wrote that. Now everybody knows, you know, kind of about his underwear. So I think as I move forward and Jack's getting bigger and the issues are more complicated and more sensitive, I will have to start editing myself a little bit. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just having an adolescent versus a toddler who didn't talk. Now I have an adolescent who, or pre-adolescent who is missing different cues. Right, right. Well, I think one of the most challenging things for memoir writers is just finding those lines of what they're comfortable sharing and, you mm-hmm. know, what what gets to stay private, not just about yourself, but about the other the other people in your life. Yeah, it doesn't give you license. I mean, like I said, I blog every week and I wrote this one blog post 3 weeks ago called I know what causes autism and I I can't tell you why it exploded the way it did, but uh-huh. um, that was you. I read that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, that was you. That, that that's totally so funny. Yes, yeah, that was I me. I think I've done it ten times. No, you're kidding. I, I did. It kept showing up on my feed. I and I remember the first time I read it, I'm like, oh, God, what's this one going to say? Uh, Here yeah. we go, another vaccine story. Yeah, no, it was very well written. I felt that's so the funny. Clickbait. Clickbait. <laughs> was, you know what's you so know, funny is that well somebody – and none of that was planned. I never planned my posts to coincide with anything sort of going on in the larger world. I just literally had read that headline and been the same as you, like, come on, you know, I'm so inundated with that stuff. Um, it went berserk. I mean, we were on NBC. We had 14 seconds on NBC Nightly News last week, right before Brian Williams <laughs> exited. <laughs> 
Well, unfortunate okay. ending to the episode, but um, it went crazy, and I don't know where I was going with that point other than, oh, now I do. I've written some posts that are a bit on the snarkier side or I think are funny but have a little bit of a dark humor. Before I post every post, and this is back when I wrote my first one and I had three people following me, three, I would say, is this the post I'd want to be known for? Is this... Mm-hmm. The post, I mean, you don't know, that's my point in that story, you don't know what timing is going to do, what that one thing that could go like wildfire is going to be. So I'm cautious in that respect. I remember I did have another post that was very popular where I talked about my husband was having back surgery and um, and, and what it meant for our marriage and how it made me reflect on marriage. And I was going to end the last line on a prepositional phrase. And I kept saying, yes, I hey. can't do that. I can't do it because three people may read it and 30,000 may read it. And, uh, and I have, you and know, have to do it And that right. is your, your final bit of advice from Carrie Cariello. Don't yes. end your blog post on a prepositional Never. phrase, people. If you can help it. <laughs> uh, Carrie Cariello is C-A-R-I-E-L-L-O, CarrieCarriello.com. She is the author of What Color is Monday? And Someone I Know Has Autism. Carrie, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. And we'll be back next week on Book Journeys Radio. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.